0: and welcome to this property life podcast i'm caroline claydon i'm a property investor and trainer and each week My friends and I will be speaking to a very special guest about their adventures in property. This week, I'm talking to Stephen Clark, who has 15 years property investment experience, having started at the tender age of 20 years old. Stephen discusses how he built a hybrid property business, including long-term buy-to-let properties and flips, as well as his first venture into commercial property. That's a deal which will generate 1.4 million in revenue from an 85,000 pound purchase, incredible. He now focuses on buying portfolios across Scotland so he can scale his business, leaving time for him to spend with his wife and daughter. I know you're going to love this episode. Let's now hear from Stephen. Okay, today we are joined by the phenomenal Stephen Clark, who uh, has been in property for 15 years. And he's just told me he's about to buy a property for £85,000, a commercial property that's going to turn over roughly around 1.4 million. So I'm pretty sure we'll have got everyone's attention now, Stephen. Talk us through that deal. 85 grand purchase. You
1: know, you've, managed to, you've managed to squeeze to help me already, and we've hardly even chat. <laughs> uh, started talking. Um, yeah, so. I'm looking at a commercial building at the moment, uh, first commercial project, but basically it's the same principles and strategies as normal residential property. Um, so I've agreed a purchase price of 85,000. I've looked at a couple of ways to maximize the revenue of the building, and one of them could be a turnover of 1.4 million. Um, so yeah, I'm quite excited about the, the, <laughs> this project, yeah.
0: Incredible. So what what's the strategy? How are you going to squeeze all of that revenue out of a property that's cost you 85K?
1: So just basically trying to maximise the revenue from the building. Um, my original plan was to um, create a strategy like a good friend of ours, um, Jerry Alexander, uses multiple you know, commercial multiple occupancy, and that was my original plan. And when I started looking at multiple ways to to subdivide the building and just maximise the revenue off this building, it's a seven thousand square feet building. Um, it used to be an old library. Community hall, so it's one of these buildings, these problem buildings that no one really knows what to do with. You know, it doesn't really kind of tick the the a, a commercial residential. It doesn't really tick quite a traditional commercial investment. So really, just trying to figure out the best way to maximise it. And then I've kind of stumbled across the, um, having it as a nursery. So it's right next to a primary school, and there's 550 kids at this primary school, and these kids at some point were you know zero to one, one to two, three, four. So, you know, there's got to be a, a, a target market for that. And there is there are only one other nursery in this area. Um, so, yes, yeah, I started looking at the numbers and, and the regulations around what how many kids per square meter and how many how many staffing per child and stuff like that, and just looking at how you can maximize the building. And I didn't go all the way. I kept a third of the building separate at, eh, separate from this and the turnover of these amount of kids that you can kind of occupy the space is 1.4 million. Um, obviously minus the cost and expenses but yeah it's quite it's quite an interesting project to be delving into
0: and other exits that you could potentially use that property for if you don't go down the nursery route what what other options are you looking at
1: um my original plan was to kind of keep it as a wellness center so I've always done martial arts since I was four or five year old and I've obviously their own gyms and academies myself my brother my, my dad and uh, we've always struggled to rent spaces like matted spaces dance spaces stuff like that and So, yeah, so the original plan was to kind of make a community-based building, have it based on, you know, dance classes, gymnastic classes, kids' taekwondo, karate, whatever it was, and and separate the spaces into uses like that. And there's a bit at the back that could be separated into smaller individual units that could be used as hair and beauty, makeup, nails, all that kind of treatment center. So basically be a wellness center um, all in one. But obviously with that, you're going to have probably more 12 to 14 different tenants that all pay an income. So yeah, but a, a bit of a property strategy, but yeah, slightly, slightly unique. So, so this is, is your
0: first uh, dipping your toe into commercial and you're not going small. You're going, you know, for the big stuff. So that's good. That's I nice. feel
1: like I'm going small. It's a small purchase price. I mean, the, the, the risk for me isn't huge. Um, I, I still feel like I'm shitting myself because it's, it's a complete comfort zone stretcher because I haven't done commercial. So there's definitely going to be lessons learned. Um on, are you using
0: finance? One. Are you using finance to buy it? Or are you putting your own cash into it?
1: No, I'm going to put more on cash into it. Usually, I would usually I would raise raise private, investor on angel finance for my own uh, residential developments and investments. But I just feel, you know, I can go an angel investor easily and, and 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 take their money, do it with my projects, put it in my investment, whatever I'm doing, and I'm, I'm so confident in my excess, my end value, my renovation cost. I've done it yeah. for so many years. But yeah. with commercial, I'm I'm totally not, and I wouldn't want to slightly risk anybody else's money and I've to do it my own money and then I'm not tied to anyone else, any joint ventures, any, any other angel finance. I can figure it out myself, prove the model. If the model works, brilliant. if it doesn't quite, then I'm pretty sure I can still exit this building and not lose money, which is always the, the number one priority is figuring out who, we're, who don't lose money.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right. So first step into commercial. So talk us through how um, you got to this point now. You've been in property for 15 years. Has that been a smooth journey for you?
1: Definitely not. Um, probably what do they say, kind of 10 years of fucking up and maybe five years of getting it right? Yeah, it's
0: 10 years a, as a hobby or an amateur yeah. and then five years as a professional, yeah, something I mean, that's,
1: like that. That sounds about right, but even as a professional, probably still messing it up a lot of the time and, and figuring it out. But, yeah, um, it's never been smooth. I, I feel like I've always got it slightly muddled up. Um, I bought my first ones in 2006, refinanced the, the flat. I think it was only 20 at the time, it was 2021, uh, refinanced the flat bought a three-bed house and then the market crashed in 2008 so I kind of went in a negative effect but quite quickly and to build myself out the hole I started flipping properties um, throughout the recession now if you looked at that as a strategy you bought you bought wrong 2006-2008 where you helped your holding and you flipped wrong when you probably should have been holding because i bought them at, I was buying them at you know rock bottom repossessed prices you know, for instance, I've done a lot of three bed ex-council houses um local to where I am and, and in Fife in Scotland. And the purchase price was probably around, I think I got one sums for 54 grand to around maybe 67, 68 grand. These properties are all, all now worth, you know, 125, 130 grand. So if I'd held all these ones that I'd flipped... I probably would have a lot better portfolio and it would have been a nicer portfolio as well. But um, yeah, I certainly feel like it's went all back to front and even then building up the portfolio and then Section 24 coming back in and trying to get rid of some of your personal name and building back in a company. It just feels like it's all just been in a big muddle. But I think I'm starting to get it right
0: yeah, no, you are. I mean, look, if you're starting in property at 2021, 20, you're, you know, miles ahead of most people. You've I got mean, enough
1: time to fuck up, have you? Yeah,
0: <laughs> and recover, and recover. Um, yeah. So your background's oil, oil and gas. Um, That's right, yeah. So for 10 years um, of doing your property stuff, you were in a job the whole time because a lot of people who are going to be listening are going to think that they don't have time because of their job or they've got, you know, kids at home or whatever it is, um, how did you manage your time with the, the job and the portfolio?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, to 2006, 2016, when I quit my job, I worked in the oil and gas industry um, full time. And apart from that, I also ran my own martial arts um, academy on the side. I was competing heavily in martial arts as well. So yeah, I was juggling a whole lot while working full time. Um, I didn't have a family at that time. So, so that took a bit of the, the stress off. Um, but yeah, I, I, I ran it through a job, which just putting in hours, putting in the time, you know, getting getting viewings in your lunch hour, doing yeah. your due diligence in your lunch break, you know, ordering materials on your you know after hours. I worked in I worked in, a, I worked in a, a manufacturing plant for the what, until about 2011 2012, and um, I was on shifts a lot, so I'd be doing a day shift and going home and doing another batch on the house or. Doing a night nice shift and then get you know getting three four hours sleep and getting up and doing a shift on the house before uh, before going to work. So just squeezing in hours, just putting in hours and it, and it is, and it does require a lot of hard work to start with when you're when you're building, especially when you're you're getting things like 2008 recession and trying to recover from it. Flip properties to build up a pot again it does does take a lot of time and effort. But we've all got the same 24 hours in a day. It just depends on what you want to you put into it to get out of it.
0: So what was driving you then? Because everything you've just said is exactly what people would use as an excuse not to to do something as in working shifts and, you know, the martial arts stuff and all of that, they don't have the time or the energy. What was it that was specifically driving you? People talk about having your why. What was it at that point in your life that was driving you?
1: I just, I don't want a normal life. I don't want to work till I'm 65 year old and maybe get a few years out of it and die. I just don't see the point in that in life. I just don't see that we shouldn't be here to do that. And I've always had this kind of drive that, you know, I remember, I remember when you're starting this, my apprenticeship in an um, oil and gas company, and there were, there was, you know, people that would, I'd ask you here for another 40 years, son, and I'd be like, no, I'm going to be here by the time I'm 30, 40. I think it was 40, I said to them, and yeah, yeah, we all start off with that good intention. I'm like, fucking no, I've got this firm belief that I am out here, and I knew it, and I was. I'd quit my job when I was, I of 31 or 32. Um, I just, I just, I don't know. I don't know the actual drive. My granddad died at sixty-two and never ever reached these his pension. So I think, and well, maybe in fifteen, sixteen at the time. So maybe that was an effect on it. But I just mm-hmm. knew that I just didn't want to go down this normal route, this normal life of. And do you know what? It's not for everyone. No, no. A lot of people won't want to put won't want to put the hours that we put into growing our property businesses. That's for sure. But I just think that it is short-term sacrifice for huge long-term game. It's a cliche, but it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Okay, yeah. so you quit your job. Um, what allowed you to do that? At what point did you think, right, my portfolio is big enough that I can now quit my
1: job? Um, it Do you know what? I was driven by a personal reason, to be fair. Um, my wife and I went through IVF for a few years before having our daughter, Maya. And I was working down in Africa at the time when she was pregnant. And, and going through IVF was a struggle. And in every kind of scan, I just seemed to miss every scan. I was always working away. I was doing month on, month off and stuff. And I thought, this is going to be what it's like when Maya's here. I don't want to miss out on any of her childhood. Yeah. Well, I've got this bigger picture, this reason why. I just become hugely stronger now that she's in, that she's on her way. And the moment she was born, it was instantly like, I'm not going back. And my wife is like, what? I'm not going back. So I completely threw... Um, through a span on her works because, you know, she was getting into this whole mothering and um, nestling down, creating this home and nest, And I'm saying, right, if I'm going to quit my job, we need a bigger house, a bigger mortgage. So, there's a, you know, that's, we went for a five-bed detached house, double garage, right? That'll keep us going for a few years while I build this business. So we doubled our own personal mortgage, and then quit my job the minute my, my third month pay slip was available to get my mortgage and stuff like that and through the towel. And so she, I probably stressed her out immensely during that time um you know chucking a good salary as well and 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 you know what the portfolio and this is i think this is the mistake that i, that I probably made at the time two things the portfolio wasn't really big enough i didn't care i knew was, i knew i was just going to f- figure it out um and the reason why is but clause you know 24 section 24 kind of came into effect or was coming into effect and i and i so i started selling off shitty bits of the portfolio i don't like that i don't like that we'll get rid of that one someone's in kelly's name and stuff we'll just sell these ones off so I'd reduced it down during quitting and the kind of couple of years after quitting my job. So I, I, got, I got less. And then um I think the biggest mistake I made quitting, one, the cash flow wasn't quite enough to sustain the lifestyle I was used to. And another one was I, I left my job with money. And I think this was my biggest mistake. And a lot of people think, why the fuck would you not want money in your bank to be doing a property business? And it didn't make me resourceful enough. I was comfortable. I'd got a redundancy package from my work. I'd just sold a cu- I think one or two properties in the portfolio. I just sold a flip. I had money in the bank. And I did I quit with this great, oh yes, I'm going to to them in property. This is what I love doing. My daughter's here. And I'm going to enjoy her childhood. And I'm going to, you know, all this shit. and I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't, I didn't hustle enough. I didn't my back wasn't against the wall. So for the first, you know, two, two and a bit of years, yeah, that that's that's flipped some properties. I flipped some properties with a joint venture partner and we flipped a lot of properties and it just kind of got us by. But I didn't. I think the hustle wasn't there because there was money in the bank, and I knew that I didn't need to focus on cash flow. Um. So so now I do. I, I kind of focus more on the short, medium, and long term yeah. strategy and property, which I never ever did before. I always had a job. I always had a career. I always had side hustles. always had flips on the go. I didn't need to worry about the portfolio performance on the cash flow because well, I've already got jobs. The minute you quit that job and that income comes in, that's the short term cash flow gone. The, the I always had flips on the go. So the medium, I see that as medium-term cash flow. It's not quite, you can't quite get it quickly, but it isn't as long as the passive income of a built-up, you know, by elect portfolio for creating long-term wealth. And obviously, you're you're building up assets. I love building up assets, but that's very much long-term. It's a long-term goal. And I've always held the assets with the intention of, you know, paying down the, like, reconciling the debt, building up the assets, reconciling the debt, paying down the debt, getting it to a decent level. And then that was the long-term plan. Yeah. But when you quit your job and you lived on a couple of flips and you dipped into the portfolio fund and nothing ever, nothing built up. The funds didn't build up, the portfolio flush fund didn't build up and you didn't have the cash flow. So I felt like for the first two, two and a half years, I kind of just messed up all over can of be fair.
0: But it, it's, it's an education in itself, isn't it? By being out there doing it. And because property is not just the bricks and mortar. It's you've got to have a bit of a business head on you. And and that's not something that just happens overnight. Like you've just talked about cash flow medium, short term, yeah. medium, long. You know, that that's that's you know, financial education. That's business yeah, stuff.
1: Yeah, completely. And that's and that is what I lacked. You know, quitting in 2016 i knew exactly how to do properties. I've flipped God, God knows how many properties, countless properties, a portfolio was decent enough. But I didn't understand business. I didn't have a clue about cash flow. Didn't have a clue because my my job paid my salary every month, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm this big property guy. I can just jack my job and just never took eye completely off the ball. And and like you say, you don't know these stuff until you figure this stuff out, or somebody educates you, or you you start to grow your network and you speak to other investors who have been a little bit further down the line and figured this shit out a little bit better. And you go, all right, yeah, that's how you do that. All right, you want to have this in this the background or or that and. You realize that the whole you know, quitting your job and going full time in property isn't quite the be on end, though. It's probably nice to. I, I probably am an all or nothing guy, to be fair. Like, I know that I'll succeed in what I do, and I kind of need to just go, right, fuck it, I'm doing it, and that's it. So, yeah, that's probably worked for me, but I know that that wouldn't work for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. Know. Yeah. I think the, you know, the advice probably would give someone is make sure that the portfolio is generating enough income on a monthly basis to support you. Um, before you then take that leap because now you could use that salary for mortgageability and all that kind of stuff
1: yeah that's it and, and i didn't i didn't i didn't decrease the um the lifestyle as well like we still went on a kind of couple of holidays a year you know I, I, so i feel like if i'd maybe pay attention a little bit better and thought you know what let's, let's tighten the belts up for a couple of years let's yeah. focus on business a little bit more get to the point where it was but it was like, no, I'm on a, what was that? a 75, 80 grand a year salary working offshore for the last few years of my career. So it's like, all right, I'm, I'm making a salary. You quit, it. you don't adjust your lifestyle it suit. And then you're going, oh shit, I wonder why this pot's just kind of dwindling away slowly, slowly, <laughs> slowly. You're like, all oh, right, that's why.
0: <laughs> so you did that for two to three years until you realized about the the financial side of things. Um, flips as a main a main strategy for you?
1: Um I kind of, I like doing both. I like doing flips and um, building up the portfolio. I Really like acquiring assets. But the people that think that you know, property can get a build this assets that's passive and it's easy. It's a, a long term thing. It's a it's a long term goal for me. And I feel like if if you quit a seventy grand a year job to build up a portfolio that properties that, that generate 250, pounds a pound a month of cash, so that's going to take you a hell of a long time to replace that income. Yeah. So I think a little hybrid hybrid for me is flipping and adding to the portfolios. And it's kind of always been the case. So yeah, that's 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 still a lot totally of the strategies. But yeah. yeah, but for me, I'm looking for, I'm kind of getting a bit fed up of single unit flips and single unit purchases. So for the last year and a half, I've been focusing on buying um, multiple units trying to buy portfolios and bought a couple. So looking to get more involved in that and grow that portfolio aggressively um, for another maybe year or so. And the flips are a lot bit bigger. And again, I want to diversify new builds, developments as well, rather than just single, single um, flips. So yeah, I'm always looking for for growth from the next thing and kind of learn your lessons, grown a lot better and let's just go for bigger projects.
0: So what was it that helped you accelerate and scale things up to be looking at portfolios? I think anyone who's starting out, they're thinking, you know, buy one byte to like a time. You're now saying, well, I've got a bit bored of that. Let's look at buying portfolios. What helped you accelerate to thinking bigger?
1: Yeah, just the fact that buying single units, it's good to start off and learn, but it can become a bit slow and tedious and very, very long and time-consuming. There's a lot of effort that goes into finding a property, sourcing it, raising the finance, carrying out the renovation, refinancing the back end, paying off your angels. Do you know what I mean? And adding to your portfolio. That's a whole lot of time, effort and money. And I actually done this a few years ago. I sat down and done a a, a task and I worked on my hourly rate on adding the property to your portfolio and it was, it was ridiculous. Like it was... It didn't even reach a pound an hour. I don't think for a for a, for a property you add to your portfolio. But my argument on this was because a lot of offshore guys would say that why the hell would you want to add this property? It only makes you three hundred pound a month. But my, you know, everyone's thought process has done it and, and multiplied it as okay for the first year your hourly rate may be a pound an hour. But then yeah. if if you've done this, renovated this property, and you make three hundred pound a month, your hourly rate for the next ten years could be three hundred pound an hour.
0: Correct. Right.
1: Because you might only look at that. The statement from the letting agent once, you know, let's just say you look at it for one, one hour a month. You look at the statement from the letting agent, check there's no maintenance issues. All right, check your mortgage, check your rent. Okay, does that take an hour? Probably not, but let's be, let's be over it and say it takes an hour. So that's that's never going to be 300 independent an hour going forward from, from then onwards. And, it, and it's an asset you own and it can obviously go up in, in value and get some good capital appreciation over the years as well. So yeah, yeah. so you, you look at a flip-reverse, you put all the work up front for yeah. very little reward, but the reward comes later on in the years.
0: That's it. Do the I always say sort of do the work once, get paid for the rest of your life. It's like yeah. you know, put the effort in at the beginning. Whereas people in their jobs, of course, they're putting that effort in every single day, every single month yeah. to get the same paycheck or to get their ten yeah. percent increase or whatever it is on a, on an annual basis.
1: And that's that's the of property as well. If you do that, what's what's the average salary in Caroline? A, a couple of grand a month in the UK. Two? Yeah,
0: the average salary is around twenty seven k a year.
1: Yeah, so you do so you do that six seven times. That's you got your average salary in the UK. Yeah. That, that takes you two or three years of hard work, and, no, and, and anyone can do it. Literally anyone can do it. Everyone thinks that, is, that requires, it does require some knowledge and experience and know-how to do it, but it's not difficult. Anyone can do it.
0: Yeah. Um, I always say property is simple. It's just not easy, right? Yeah. It's actually quite a simple <laughs> process. It's just not easy to do it. So let's talk about um, property education. Have you, have you had any help at all? Have you been educated? Or is it all just taking the hits and the knocks uh, out, in the, out in the field?
1: I did. Um, when About two weeks after Maya was born, I went on a, a long a three-day course, long weekend course, um, through in Glasgow. And yeah, I'd been involved in property for 10 years when I went on the course, but it really did help me accelerate and grow. Okay. And I think it was the personal development section, the mindset, and um, I really enjoyed that part of the kind of weekend. I mean, the property strategies, I kind of knew I'd been doing for 10 years, so it wasn't new. But what it did give me was a sense of, um, you know what you're doing. This, this is what these guys are teaching you know what you're doing just accelerate it just yeah. do it so before rather than second guessing yourself and trying to figure out yourself you just got this kind of all oh, right reinforcement of this is right do it and uh, you know I learned a couple of strategies that I had known about sourcing properties and um, um I opened my eyes up to joint ventures and raise it in private finance a lot better which kind of helped me accelerate the property business in the last four years so yeah
0: yeah, yeah. I think the mindset, I just see everything as a game, right? And life's a game, property is just a game within it. And then I think about 80% of the property games about your mindset. If you think yeah. it's going to be hard, or if you think you can't find the money, then that's correct. If you think that there's an abundance of money in deals, then that's correct. It's incredible how uh, reprogramming the way that you think can change the dif- your outcome. Yeah, I mean, I, I,
1: absolutely right. I completely reprogrammed my mindset. I was always one of the ones that bought one or two at a time, depending on what my personal economy could handle. Okay, yeah. I bought one. I'm flipping one, or I'm adding one to my portfolio. You do it. You find a deal. You finish it. You complete it. You go to the next one. So it was always, it was always going to be a slower process until you can open up your mindset to know there's an abundance of money out there. If yeah. the deal's that good, you will find the money. And as soon yeah. as I thought like that, then yeah, the deals start flooding in, and you can, and you know, you you know, you're exiting them. Yeah. You're, you're finding an exit to them or you find a creative way of exiting them as well so yeah definitely open my mindset up to to growing and, and and developing and growing and like we spoke about before you don't you don't know what you don't know you can think that you're doing it right and building up one or two a year three a year this is great i'm, I'm going why would i need education
0: yeah but if
1: somebody could tell you 10x about oh, 10x that or times that again you're going and eight nine 10 to your portfolio a year then somebody yeah. could show you that then of course you why not pay for that that yeah. education or that know-how
0: yeah, I mean it's incredible that people um, think that they can just rock on out there into the market and be a property investor full time, just as you did, without yeah. thinking that they're going to make mistakes. That's going to cost them money, where they could just pay to get help and assistance. That's going to short 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 circuit that uh, <laughs> that journey for them. It's just yeah.
1: I, I had a guy come on uh, my workshop actually in December and. I had a call in beforehand and he, and he spoke and he bought a bite of let local to me and he says, Yeah, got off market from a friend, the friend I was oh, that's brilliant, great. He says, Yeah, I got three thousand pounds off the off the home report. And I'm like, All right. Okay. Oh and then he says, I, I didn't know what ADS was, so I ended up losing that three grand at the back end of it. So the discount that he thought he had got was phen- phenomenal to him because you like you say, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know that 25, 30 percent, 35% is achievable. So he's just thinking, oh, I've got three grand off this property. Um, but then you don't know the numbers and the amount of times that have these conversations with you know trades tradesmen that are like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna get a property with so and so he, my uncle Jim's a plaster, he's a painter, I you know, we can do this in six weeks. I'm like, but you can not sell it in six weeks. I've ah, we'll always just do it in six weeks. And then I'm, um, then you start running over things like you know, ADS or what about your buying holding costs for, for six months and what's that? And you you realize that you think you're making fifteen grand profit, but you've just thought, forgot about ten grand of fees that you didn't know about. Yeah. So you oh and then you know, these guys will do this. Something happens in the market or the change. They don't quite get their 15 grand, which is 10 grand off it because they've missed out fees. You know, oh, we only made a few grand off that. Oh, that was a waste of time. That took six months to do. What a waste of time? Get the right education. Get the right, get the right knowledge. Be around the right people and the right fire and the right experience and, and learn from the people who have done it before in the past.
0: That's it. I blame a programs like Homes Under the Hammer, right? Everyone watches Homes Under the Hammer is like, well, if that numpty can do it, I can do it too. And then, as you say, the trades guys are the worst. Like I've got many, many, many builders and trades guys that I've trained over the years and they want to get their hands dirty, get involved in it because no other builder can do it as good as them. And and they they, they fail to understand that the the value in their time would be better spent going out there and sourcing more deals and raising money than actually you know plaster and painting yeah, and the plumbing. Absolutely. have
1: I've got a I've got a joiner on the on the massing group that exactly the same at the moment he fitted the kitchen he's last buy and I'm saying I, I get it, do it to start with, understand the process for the first couple, but you shouldn't be doing that. I but I can save two grand on fitting in the kitchen, but you should be negotiating 20, 20, 30 grand off the next property. You've now got the skill set to do this now that's more valuable than you saving a couple of grand on, on the project. That that, that was guilty of this before in the past, you know, trying to do everything on your projects and get involved as much as you can and stuff. But, you know, you, there's no skill in that. You can't grow in that. But yeah. if you're in a mindset that you're, you're looking to save money rather than utilizing your most viable skill sets, which is yeah. like you say, finding the finding the deals or raising the finance.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like your high-value tasks and your low-value tasks and doing the painting and stripping and all that is uh, definitely low-value. Low so you've got an interesting year. You're looking at, uh, obviously, the the commercial property that's going to be either a wellness centre or a nursery, or whatever it's going to be. Um, what other projects have you got um, in your your sites for the next 12 months or so?
1: So I've got a, a portfolio p- purchase I'm trying to um, get over the line. I, I kind of agreed a price with the seller, um, a few days before Christmas, okay. and obviously we went in a lockdown, so I've not managed to see all 10 of them. So yes, yeah, it's a 10 property portfolio, um, around 550000 up in Aberdeen. Um, so the, so the plan is to purchase that at a light renovation. They're all tenanted, so it's a light renovation on some of them. I think two of them I may sell and then keep the other eight, but the, the deal will leave no money in the deal and I'll be decent cash flow. and assets. So that was that was one of the, worst, the ones I was wanting to get off the line very cu- quickly in 2021. This new lockdowns kind of put a little break on that. Um, And we've got a a development lookout in Aberdeen as well to turn it to six or seven flats um, as well and flip that one. So a development project, a holding project, and there's a couple of joint ventures in my mastermind group as well that I'm a part of. Um, One of them's in Bridge of Earn near Perth. It's a beautiful um, five-bed attached traditional house. So the guy actually got the keys for that on the week before Christmas. So they're ripping it out and, and learning on the job. So it's quite like a, they're getting like an apprentice on it, an apprenticeship on it. So they're stripping it out, stripping more people and doing, all the tasks that you can do once, understand it, and let's, let's move on. So they're, they're really good guys. They're, they're cracking on with that. So, yeah, that's that's what's on the pipeline for yeah. the first part of the year. Anyway.
0: Nice, nice, nice. Now, talk to me about Aberdeen, because that's a really interesting market that was very, very oil-dependent. And then, of course, the oil price tanks and Aberdeen's property prices tanked. Um, what's behind the thinking of going into a market like Aberdeen? That most people are saying, oh, no, stay away because, you know, dependence on oil and everything else.
1: Yeah. So obviously working in the oil and gas industry, I knew Aberdeen quite well. I went to university in Aberdeen, so I know the streets in the area pretty well. Um, so, so yeah. Um, and it fall, and like you say, it completely follows the oil and gas price. So Right now in the central of Scotland where most of my investments and developments are, the market is very, very hot, closing days, you know, yeah. just, you know, to get to get creative on stuff to hold that has to be off, a lot of time, it has to be off market. So I was finding, I was stuck in a rut for a few, a couple of years there where nothing was really getting added to my portfolio um, between probably 2016 and 2018. And it was, the numbers just worked for flips. So it just kept flipping them. And because you were putting them on the market and they were going, you know, no stone on left unturned, a high-end standard, they were going 10-15% over the home report, which was already inflated, to be fair. you were, you were just getting the your survey like put a little bit more on that, as the market's hot. So each time you're making from non profit off the flips, it didn't make sense to hold them. Yeah. I always felt like the balance wasn't there. Um, so I kept noticing deals in Aberdeen and obviously started researching the area more and just looked at the the fact that. It doesn't follow the UK price index. It's got its own little micro economy. Yeah. Um, in 2016, the, the oil price crashed. So then since then, the, the property prices have crashed. And, I, and the first stuff that I picked up in Aberdeen was probably a couple of years ago. Um, it was four flats on Union Street. Now, Union Street's like the Princess Street of Edinburgh. It's the main, you know, yeah. the main street, the main city centre. Bang on, I thought, right, let's play it safe. Um, the portfolio was valued at four flats valued at four hundred and fifty grand and I got for two hundred and fifty-five.
0: Lovely.
1: Um so it was a cracking deal. All the flats, city centre are very, very say played it very, very safe. But I remember at the time looking at property in Aberdeen before the crash, you couldn't find city centre flats like that. You couldn't buy in the street, no one would ever sell them. It was just it felt like a, a really good asset. No one would no one would sell them. They weren't available, you know, and you're picking them up for rock bottom prices now. Um so yeah, played it very safe for the first purchase, but it was um, it was one of the things as well you heard about the whole uh, you know yeah you can buy buy portfolios of property and avoid ads. So this was one of the first ones I tried to do a couple of years ago. You know, I buy this portfolio and then discovered that you know it isn't four properties, it's actually six or more properties that you can that you can put it through as a, a commercial transaction and avoid the ads and pay a commercial um, rate on it. So I ended up paying hey, I think I paid thirteen or fourteen grand on the on the ads. Uh, but the deal was good. And and then I found on <clears throat> I found another deal very similar to it. It was next to the university. And this is when my kind of mindset has changed to, do you know what? I'm changing my investment in area completely because I'm 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 down in the central belt competing with not only professional property investors who are adding that portfolio and flipping, but I'm also competing with amateurs that are sitting yeah. watching too much homes under the hammer and, and yeah. paying way more than i ever gonna pay. And the agents, you know that that I've, that I've got a phenomenal relationship with, they don't need to give me properties anymore. They're selling the market for over the home report. So why do they need to come to me with them? So that was all drying up, and the only ones you could make it really was adding significant value to to do as a flip. So I viewed a property in Dunfermline one day, and the agent says, "Yep, you know this story. It's, it's going to go a closing day on Friday. It'll go miles over." And then i viewed a property in Aberdeen that same afternoon right next to the university entrance, again, playing it very safe until I really knew the areas and the streets and all the, the little bits and, the, and you know, really known that Goldman areas of Aberdeen. Um, played it very safe. Went up to King Street in Aberdeen and uh, the agent says, yeah, I'd done done my, my research beforehand. <clears throat> the property had sold five years previous a 100,000. It was on the market for 60 and the agent says, well, you know the market in Aberdeen, they'll probably take a cheeky offer and I'm thinking, what, like 40? He's like, yeah, probably. And I'm thinking, this is where I need to fucking be. <laughs> Quit pissing about with everyone else in this central belt. I'm going to Aberdeen now. Don't get me wrong. There's obviously I'm obviously playing in a, a shaky market that's maybe not quite recovered and stuff. So I, I do appreciate the risks. But for me, I'm I'm adding to my portfolio for the last couple of years in Aberdeen with all money out deals. So the way I see it, I, there is no risk. I'm I'm, I'm positively cash flow. The, the the rents are low at the moment as well. So I'm not positively cash flow huge. I'm cash flow a couple hundred quid. I think the biggest one's probably 380. Yeah. So they're not huge cash one, But I just think that where in kind of the UK could you say, I'm going to get capital appreciation and stuff stuff I've just bought? And I think it's only really in Aberdeen right now.
0: Here we go. There we go. Um plenty of people I've said, oh, I don't know the market in Aberdeen. You just, you know, because when you say because somebody tried to source me a deal in Aberdeen just after the crash. It was like, this property sold for 350 grand. You can now get it for 100. And I'm like, well, it's only worth 100 then, isn't it? Because it doesn't matter what it used to be worth because it might never get back to that point, you know, in my five years of owning it or 10 years of owning it or
1: whatever. And, um, I, and I've seen Aberdeen as a completely long-term yeah. for me because yeah. what I love about it was when I first kept going there and speaking, I know quite a lot of successful investors in Aberdeen. Yeah. And they're all so scared. They're all completely feared by the, the micro-economy, the market crash, and the oil and gas price, people losing their jobs, now topped up with coronavirus. It's not; it's, It was starting to recover. It's now not because of what's going on. And I'm looking at it going, this just reminds me when I was buying flips back in 2009 and 10. Yeah, Everyone's going, property's never going to be the same again. I'll never recover. And I'm hearing exactly the same stuff in Aberdeen. Yep. And I'm thinking, brilliant. Give me this. When everyone's been fearful, I'll go to it. When everyone's you know, when I've been, yep. being greedy, Run away from it, that that kind of thing, and and the way I'm looking at it is, if I can get it cheap enough, I can refinance and get the money back out. Then, in ten years' time, if it doubles, grows, but if it doesn't, I can wait a wee bit longer as well because they're all they're all renovated, they're all tinted. Um, one of the, one of the things that I will can kind of advise people if they're looking at Aberdeen is, <clears throat> which is I sourced quite a lot of properties for other investor friends last year as well, went during um, lockdown, and what they found it difficult to get their head on as well was. In probably most parts of the UK, you can do a light refurb on a on a, on a buy a light property and, and and get your money back out, or you know they'll kind of use that that's oh, just a rental. I can do a lot less a uh, standard uh, refurb. You can't in Aberdeen because when I started looking at the properties in Aberdeen, I, I, there was there was I remember this number. There was 1,062 properties on the on the rental market on on the site I looked at. Wow, I thought, is that good? Is that bad? Is that I don't know. So then I looked at cities like Dundee, and there was. 38 properties in the rental market. Yeah. And I thought, holy shit, this is, this is bad. Am I going to buy these assets and can't rent them? So then what I basically did was almost a flip project renovation. Yeah. I dressed them with nice furniture. I painted all gray. I done the kitchen's nice. The bathroom, really modern, all black fittings. I've done it like a flip project. And they went within a day. They were all gone and they were going above what we were anticipating we would get for them. So I kind of started to kind of buck a trend and go, well, everything's really dated. People in the oil and gas industry have had these properties cash flowing phenomenally to, to oil companies for years. It's pushed the private rental sector through the roof. Yeah. They're now not get they're now getting half as much rental income that we're getting four years ago. Yeah. And, yeah. and now they've been told they need to spend 15, 20 grand to make it yeah. suitable so for the market. They're not willing to do it. So all these properties are just sitting on the market and it's providing huge opportunities to get them. But when you, when you sell it to another investor who doesn't know that area and doesn't know that market, I'm saying, no, spend this money on this reverb, and guess what? You're not going to get £400 for a one-bedroom flat. I'm going to get £550. But I'm looking on the market, and every other one's £400 or £425. Yeah. And I'm saying, this is what I'm doing, and it's working. Every single day, day in, day out, the ones I'm putting on the market are way above what anyone else is. But because they're being fully renovated, a decent yeah. standard, like a flip standard, they're, they're renting, and they're and. It, Everyone's buying and paying for the, the quality product rather than it's just going to sift through all the shit and the magnolia painted and the, yeah. the, the beige carpets. Like there's there's um, so there's there's opportunities, but it does come with its risks. Um, you know you you are it's a very transient city, That's so the, the the tenant changeovers are a, a lot that I didn't really factor into the numbers. So okay. this cash flow is going down. Um, you know you'd think you maybe get tenants staying for a couple of years, you maybe only get five six months. Obviously coronavirus isn't really helping with that either.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear about Aberdeen because I spent four or five years at uni um, in Aberdeen. I love it as a city, but yeah, when as an investment area, I've got a friend who um, whose husband was in the oil industry. They've got their family home up there and they've been trying to sell it for oh, six, seven months. It's a beautiful house, right. but yeah, just won't sell, won't sell, won't sell. Um, it's,
1: it's nuts because we're all we're all as a property investors we're all kind of or the experienced yeah. property investors we're looking for this this market dip to come so we can have our head again and, yeah. and going buy stuff cheap and the way I'm seeing it is I'm just so excited about Aberdeen because it's there it's there a few years before we're all ready for it it yeah. just create it just kind of excites me when I, when I see you know when I see the numbers on the flat you're buying it. and I, like you said you're, you're a total example of the the kind of sorcerer bringing you that deal I'm looking at the stuff I'm buying and instead of getting you know, looking at stuff that's that's getting overinflated or it's going back to price. I'm looking at these flats going, well, it was worth 200. I'm getting it for under 100. I'm adding a lot of renovation. I'm getting my valuation. I'm getting my money back Could it go back up to 100? I'm doubling my money again, type, or 200? I'm doubling my money again. So it's exciting, um, but it is exciting, but it does have its challenges. The cash flow certainly isn't as good. We've been recently as well. I've had a couple of valuations where, and people won't promote this stuff as well, they won't see it, but recently, for a couple of valuations come back where the values have came back, but then the lenders then taking fifteen percent off the valuation as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, to factor in for it, so do you, do you know what? It's some of them have left a few grand in the deal, but again, I don't mind it for the, the long term strategy. I, yeah. the stuff I'm, i feel like I'm buying, I'm buying good assets rather than I don't need to sift about and buy shit that's gonna, that's gonna have problem tenants or you know problem areas. I'm buying yeah. kind of quality stuff that I think is going to be good long term assets. So.
0: Well, if That's you're getting scary. your money out of the deal, then it's it's an infinite return on investment, even if it is only two hundred quid. Uh, a month. It. It's still an infinite return on investment. It doesn't really matter if it goes up or not. It's yeah. irrelevant. I think of the stuff that I bought uh, back in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine in Cumbernauld, Your favourite place. Oh, um, and, and the capital growth has like been zero in the last 10 years, hmm. uh, 10, 11. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's due a wee capital uh, increase for sure. But the stuff cash flow is lovely for me. So I, I don't really care. If you make your money when you buy, it, it's really irrelevant with the capital growth. That's It's only really the the mortgage um, leverage yes. difference that you'd be looking at. And in 25 years time, 25-year mortgage, then I'm, I'm very comfortable that we'll be able to refinance it. No bother. So I think Aberdeen okay. would be...
1: That was, that was my thought process with Aberdeen as, I, as I'm quite keen to do more acquisitions for the next year, year and a half with portfolios
0: yeah.
1: uh, and come to a point where if the the assets are all in the company and you've got, let's just say 40 properties in the, in the company you've acquired, if they've then doubled or got a bit of capital appreciation in 10 years time, the strategy for me would be, well, can you sell half them off and pay off the debt off the other ones? You've got 20 completely unencumbered and the, exactly. the, the business cash flows phenomenally. Um, though there's no debt on the business so there's, there's the flexibility is there for a long-term strategy for for good good wealth accumulation
0: brilliant brilliant well Stephen it's been absolutely awesome uh, speaking to you today I'm sure the listeners have learned a lot from your experiences and your tips uh, and tricks I hope that the nursery turns out the way that you want it I want to see that 1.4 million I want you to come back and tell us all about it when uh, it's all set up um, so thank you very much for your time today
1: Yeah, thanks very much for inviting me on for a chat. It was really good.
0: I'm sure you'll agree that that was a fantastically honest episode from Stephen, highlighting just how easy it is to focus on the wrong elements in your property business and the importance of cash flow. I love how he ignored what everyone else was saying around him and, and what everyone else was doing around him. And he was just so clear on his end goal, which is to have a very, very different life to everyone else um, around him. He just didn't want that normal, um, ordinary existence. I love how he was talking about pushing markets beyond where they currently are, so pushing the the rents up in Aberdeen because he was giving such a high-quality product to the market. Um, He recognises very honestly his own mistakes along the way, which now other people can learn from, and he's open to sharing that Um, and you can connect with Stephen and other like-minded investors within the Property Wealth System Facebook community page, as well as find Stephen Clark on Instagram. I look forward to bringing you more great content again very, very soon. Take care.